This is Back to Excited with your host, Arvind, and Acting the Fool. From Pension Plan Puppets. Hi, welcome to Back to Excited, episode 122. My name is Arvind. Joining me as always, my colleague from PensionPlanPuppets.com. It's Acting the Fooliman. Hi, everybody. Uh, how you been doing, Fooliman? You know what? I'm doing pretty well. Because warts and all, Joe Biden defeated Donald Trump in the presidential election. And while that doesn't solve everything or give me an unduly rosy view of Joe Biden, I feel like it's worth being really clear here that that's a good thing for the yeah. world. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm relieved. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, obviously, there's the major reasons of wanting a sane and competent person and un, and relatively uncorrupt person in comparison to Trump in charge of, um, you know, the biggest country in the world mm. uh, in terms of economic power and whatnot. Um, but also it made Anthony D'Angelo, like, delete his Twitter. And, and you know what? That might who, be the biggest takeaway. <laughs> yeah, who's to, who's to say what matters more? You know, uh, whether whether the government will be able to competently run, you know, the hundreds and thousands of things that it does on a regular daily basis, or whether Anthony D'Angelo quitting Twitter um, is, is the most important thing. I think he's come he's, back by now. Yeah, no, he has, but we did get some, some great memes about it. I, I saw one of those, like, dramatic espn style update post except it just said deactivated and it had a picture of him raising his arms it was very good uh yeah yeah. so uh today what we're gonna do is our customary survey of the nhl experience has taught us if we try to do the whole nhl at one run uh it will take like 15 hours so we're gonna split this into two we're gonna do half the teams this week half the teams in our next episode and we're going to look at what did this team do in the course of this offseason? Because most of the offseason is quieted down. There are still things yep, that pretty much. remain outstanding, but yeah. So we'll look at free agent signings and trades and extensions. Uh, we used our judgment a little bit on this one. So if there's a guy who we kind of didn't know anything about, we probably didn't include him. And if the team had a first round pick... We probably at least mentioned it because those are the picks that have the best chance of turning into someone you'll hear about again. And yeah, we're just going to look at what did they do, where are they now, and what can we learn from this. So uh, I'll get started if you're ready to go, Arvind. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll go in alphabetical order. Yes. So we're starting with the Anaheim Ducks. The Anaheim Ducks didn't do all that much. They signed Kevin Shattenkirk. For three years at $3.9 million. you may remember that Kevin Shattenkirk was a very esteemed free agent. He signed a big deal with the New York Rangers. He got bought out of that deal. He lashed on in Tampa on a cheap deal. He won the Stanley Cup. And now he's going to, I guess, to be honest, enjoy a kind of luxurious late career lifestyle in California. And good for him. Uh, they traded Eric Goodbranson to Ottawa for a fifth, and that's good for them. Because Eric Goodbranson is terrible and had one year left at $4 million. And they drafted Jamie Drysdale sixth overall. Jamie Drysdale was considered probably the best offensive defenseman in this year's entry draft. And that's about it. Anaheim is not good right now. And none of these changes 
are really going to change the complexion of the team that much. They seem like they're pretty content to shred water as a not very great team right now. Unless they're convinced that more is coming. Because this team looks a lot like last year's. It does. And yeah, they were not very good last year, which is why they picked sixth overall. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, they're in a bit of a weird holding pattern, aren't they? Um, Where they they had a very good run of contention. Uh, in the late 2000, I mean, they won a cup in what was it 2007 was when they won a cup, won the cup, uh, mm-hmm. and then they were contenders, you know, throughout the the late 2000s, early 2010s. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux couldn't get them over the hump. He got fired. They brought Randy Carlyle back for some godforsaken reason. <laughs> um, but yeah, now it does seem like they're on the downswing, mm-hmm. right? So I would have expected them to do more to rebuild, to try and rebuild. Yes. And it's a little odd to me that they haven't. And, I mean, as much as this year is going to be a huge disaster in terms of revenue for for a lot of teams and for the NHL as a whole, I wonder, with a, with a fan this year, or no fans in seats, rather, mm-hmm. d- does that make the decision to tank easier? Because gate revenue is not going to be a consideration anyways. Yeah, that's something that I've been thinking be. about, about a lot of these teams that seem to be holding in the bottom 10 and maybe not making a ton of progress. And it's like, well, if you're going to do it, do it the year where you don't care who shows up. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I mean, Anaheim is, they they don't, their cap hit is not, or their cap situation is not amazing. Not right now. Right, it, like It's going to get better going forward before too yeah. long, but yeah. Well, I mean... <sighs> It depends on a lot of it depends on what you think of Cam Fowler, doesn't it? And we've talked about him before. I feel mm-hmm. like well, we talk about him twice a year. We talk about him whenever we talk about Anaheim. Yeah, we always be like, oh man, the Cam Fowler contract. Woo! Don't know about that one too much. But yeah, but beyond that, like next year they probably won't have too much besides that. That's that awful. They'll still have a year of Ryan Kessler, but he's LTIR'd forever. And yeah. I think Henrik and Silverberg will still be okay. It's just this year, they're going to kind of eat dirt on a lot of deals. And, and Fowler had a really strong year last year, from what I can tell. Um, but he's he's always been one of those guys where the play driving numbers have never been incredibly strong, right? People, mm. uh, and the numbers have always viewed Hampus Lindholm as, as really the, the driver of that team. Um, but with, with, with Fowler, you watch him and he does seem like a player who should do more to, to drive play. And he's one of those guys who, who looks very good on the ice. Uh, and I don't watch a lot of Anaheim. So I've always been a little hesitant to be like really firm on the stats take of, oh, Fowler's actually not very good. Mm-hmm. For what it's worth, Dom Nutrition's model views him as a, as a negative value contract despite his uh, strong 2019-2020 season. And I guess that's going to be a huge barometer of how this team does in the future. Um, mm-hmm. because if Fowler, if they, if Fowler, you know, continues to be very, very good and, you know, they have some nice prospects coming in with, with Drysdale coming in, probably not this year, but next, you would think that's what you hope for, yeah. for someone picked in that area of the draft. They might be able to turn it around somewhat quickly and yeah. they do have John Gibson. Yeah. John Gibson is the wild card. And I feel like we talked about him last time we discussed Anaheim too, just because he was recently the best goalie in the world in the eyes of a lot of people, including me. And you know, he's only 27. He signed to a deal that is pretty reasonable if you're getting very good goaltending, which he's often provided. 
goalies are voodoo, as we've discussed many times, but yeah, like it's not that hard to see this team returning to relevance within a couple of years, and yet it does feel a little bit like they almost decided to take a gap year, where they were like, let's let some of this stuff work out, we're going to pay Ryan Getzlav 8.25 against the cap for one more season. But then after this, maybe we're in a position to make more serious upgrades with cap space. And, you know, next offseason is, even if things go quite well, going to be a bit scary for cap space too. Because the cap is going to be flat and revenues are going to be way down. Yeah. And so, they're also going to lose David Bax's contract next year. So Yes. Mm-hmm. It, things do look yeah as you said things do look a bit brighter for them in the future um but i guess this is just kind of the 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 transition away from fully away from getzloff's era I, I imagine he'll be 36 when his contract expires i think yeah I, I wonder if they let him walk or he might retire at that point who knows but he's still a decent player but probably not worth 8.25 million anymore no like if you put him on the free agent market now in this crazy market but like he would still like, he would draw a few million, no question. It's a question of, after another year of this, after another year older, in a league that still probably has suppressed revenues, what kind of deal does he get? Where does he wash up? Corey Perry mm-hmm. kind of took a budget deal to go and play for Dallas. So, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he does something similar. But, yeah, I, I mean, the result is that Anaheim, I don't think, has done anything to make themselves especially relevant next year. No, but it is a weak division. Yeah, and anything could happen. That's true of any team, but certainly a weak division with John Gibson is a good way to throw it together. But, like, this is a good group of defensemen, I think. I think it's genuinely impressive. And the forwards aren't good enough. They just, like, I look at this and it's not adequate. So... Yeah, no, that that, that sounds... Yeah. That sounds about accurate. Um, interesting, their team defense wasn't very good last year. Yeah, which average. is counterintuitive to be honest because again you know they have Fowler who whatever I think of that deal I don't think that he's terrible and also as we've said a lot of these uh you know models and underlying metrics that didn't really like Cam Fowler liked him last year yeah I'm thinking of yeah hockey vis and yeah, An- yeah. according to hockey vis Anaheim hasn't had a an above average defense since 2016-17 in terms of yeah. xg in terms of xg I should be clear. They've certainly saved a lot more goals than expected. Yeah, I guess time, in large part due to Gibson. But that, right. that is that is sort of interesting. You know, everyone's has always kind of coveted that defense core, including us. Mm-hmm. We we've fantasy traded for Josh Manson and Hampus Lindholm at various mm-hmm. points. Um, but I, I wonder if, um, if you would think with a team with such a strong defense score, they would put up better defensive results. I don't know why that is. Maybe their forwards are particularly bad. Maybe it's coaching. I don't know. Right. Um, because I don't watch bad teams from the other conference that often. <laughs> uh, to be completely honest. It's a radical act of self-care, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I, I, I really I really don't know. For sure. Uh, you know, it's it's a bit of a, a messy scenario there, for sure. Dallas Eakins hasn't been able to to fix too much. I think, you know, this team will probably be bad again. And they'll probably draft high again. And maybe then a year into the future, we see what they can do to be interesting. But right now, like, it's a goalie run or they're crap. That's, those are the outcomes for next season. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes. Speaking of interesting. 
Wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. Okay. So I, my section on this is going to be a little bit long. Right. Go for it. All right. Let's roll. The Arizona Coyotes, you may remember, had their Wonder Boy GM, John Chaka, leave the organization, apparently for another job opportunity, and he was replaced by former St. Louis assistant GM, Bill Armstrong. Is it Doug uh, Armstrong? No, no relation to Doug Armstrong, despite the fact they have the same surname and worked for St. Louis. Oh, okay. I, I, I genuinely thought it was Doug Armstrong. No, Doug Armstrong is the guy who still runs St. Louis. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Uh, thinking, wow, wow. I wonder why they fired Doug Armstrong. He, they just, he just built a cup contender. <laughs> That's ruthless. Yeah, no, Bill Armstrong okay. has heretofore never been a GM of a team, but don't worry, he's come into the worst situation in the NHL, so I'm sure that'll be a breeze. He signed Johan Larson, who we've coveted openly on this podcast over and over again. He's a defensive wizard who doesn't score. And they got Larson for two years at $1.4 million, which means he doesn't have to score very much to pay out on that deal. They got Tyler Pitlick for two years at $1.75 million. He is a depth forward with a very funny name, and that funny name is about what you're going to think about him. And now let's get down to the, the worst stuff. Uh, they had very limited draft capital due to a combination of stupid trades and then punishment from the league because John Chaka tried to measure teenage brains and do some phrenology or something. I don't remember the details, but they did some illegal examinations of draft prospects and so they lost some picks. The result was that this year they didn't pick until the fourth round and you're surely thinking... Okay, well, if your fourth-round pick is your most important pick, you'd certainly want to be quite careful about that. But they drafted Mitchell Miller, and I think the Mitchell Miller fiasco is probably pretty well-known at this point. But Mitchell Miller tormented a, a classmate who was an African-American fellow student who was developmentally disabled, did some very very repugnant things uh, yeah. to this young man. Uh, it, it just, just terrible. And, and to, to the yeah. extent that like calling it bullying, prob it undersells understates it. it. You know what? So I apologize, but maybe it's best to just like lay it out. The most striking incident was that they took one of those sort of lollipop ring things uh, and they wiped it in a urinal and they tricked the kid into licking it. And, that coincided with a lot of physical abuse, uh, shouting of racial slurs at him. It was awful, and it appears to have been ongoing. It was right. really bad. So, uh, anyway, Miller, you know, wrote letters and stuff like that saying, oh, I've reformed. He interviewed with several teams. The reporting is quite a few teams, when they interviewed him, were not very impressed with how he handled this. The judge in the... yeah. In the, in the, in the, I guess it would have been a juvenile case, right? Yeah. Um, was apparently not very impressed with, with Miller's contrition or lack thereof. Yeah. And he said, you know, look, I think you feel sorry for yourself. I'm not sure if you yet feel sorry for what you actually did to this young man. It, I mean, it was all pretty gruesome. And this led to, it seems like a hundred years ago now, but it's only been a couple of weeks. Uh, this led to a lot of discussion about, you know, what does it mean to have this on your record? I don't think the Coyotes should have drafted him. I think that's pretty obvious one because they subsequently, after picking him, 
renounced the pick once the controversy got too hot for them. You know, there are questions there about, like, diminished moral responsibility for what you do at 14, which is something that I, I believe is true, but this was so glaring and so awful that you would really want to see someone kind of say, okay, I really fucked up. Right. I got to change my whole life and approach of the world. I got to really reform. And, you know, then you move on the path towards redemption. And it doesn't seem like there was much of that going on. Yeah, I, I think yeah. this gets into very trick a very tricky situation or of discussion of forgiveness and discussion mm -hmm. of second chances, right? And um, it, it's tricky because historically some people get a lot of second chances and some people don't. And, you know, the people granting you second chances is a form of privilege that's often extended to rich people. It's mm -hmm. often extended to uh, men, right? It, it's it's a privilege just like a lot of the other privileges in our society. But at the same time, it's still something that, in my opinion, is fundamentally important, right? Um, this gets into, I guess, some political discussion, but one of the big talking points in, in, in U.S. elections recently has, has been how um, the Republican Party really tries to essentially strip the rights of the incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Right makes it harder for them to vote. Makes it harder for them to uh, to live after being released from prison, and that often leads to recidivism. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of people agree that that's not a good thing. But in order, but you also have the, the that that has to go hand in hand. The belief that that that's not a good thing with the concept of the possibility of forgiveness, mm -hmm. right? With the possibility of people making mistakes and growing from it and learning from it and becoming active and involved and productive members of society again. Um, and I, in the case of Arizona, I think they screwed up on multiple fronts here mm -hmm. because for one, picking the guy is, is one thing because I think there's a universe where you can pick the guy and say, look, what this guy did was completely fucked up. And also to be clear, um, Arizona knew about it. You and oh, yeah. I had heard of this, and we, mm -hmm. we don't know anything about prospects. We, we just heard it through our, you know, tiny niche of we write for a, a SB Nation blog. Yes. Right? So, so Arizona heard about it, right? So putting that aside. But, um, yeah, it, it, they could have said, and I think if, if Miller was, was truly remorseful and uh, wanted to work with a team to do this, the Coyotes could have said, look, what this guy did was fucked up. We agree. We think that there's a role in society for forgiveness and if for people who want to work towards it. Mm -hmm. We think he wants to work towards it and we are committed to help him get there and to also make sure that the aggrieved party in this situation is, I guess, you know, taken care of and made to know that their experiences are not okay and are not acceptable and that, you know, we don't condone them and we want to support them and make sure that they're taken care of as well. And if they do it in that way, I'm not saying there's, there'd be no backlash, because there would be, but that's at least defensible to me. But what yeah. seems clear, based on what they did, is they thought, this guy's a good talent, and he's falling because he's a shithead. And we need talent, because we're a bad team, and we don't have a first-round pick, because our GM decided to scan brains. Mm -hmm. So we're going to pick him, and 
hope that no one notices or that's not a big deal and this 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 goes away and it's just you know a footnote because most of the time fourth round picks are Mm -hmm. um and when it wasn't they got cold feet and they're like shit we miscalculated we need to get rid of this guy yeah it i mean any way you slice it from the perspective of the arizona coyotes this was bad judgment followed by possibly cowardice yeah, it, it, I it was. Ca- I think it was callousness and then cowardice in that order. Yeah, that that's probably the way to put it. Now, Bill Armstrong supposedly had nothing to do with the draft. Mm-hmm. But and if you believe po- that, uh, well, yeah. maybe John Chaka should scan your brain. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say because his agreement with St. Louis was supposedly he would come over, but he wouldn't participate in the draft because it was too recent that he'd been within St. Louis and he knew their their draft plans. Um, Again, I don't really believe that that made much difference, but it was sure useful when everyone wanted to disavow responsibility for making this pick. Um, you know, the bottom line of this here is that this was a a very poor decision. And, and you know, the mother of Isaiah, uh, Mayor Crothers, uh, wrote a letter and... And she expressed, you know, how disappointed she was that this young man who tormented her son was going to go forward to a glamorized sports career, potentially. And you can certainly understand why that would be so infuriating. You know, when people talk about redemption, some people want to say, look, being a star hockey player is such a a privileged spot in society. It's so good in terms of what people aspire to, in terms of money, fame, what have you. Maybe that door should be closed. And, you know, I'm on the fence about the possibility of saying ever for something someone did at 14, but I have to admit, this this is pretty close, even if uh, Mitchell Miller had done much more to redeem himself as it is they shouldn't have made this pick i don't think morally they shouldn't have made this pick even cynically because they couldn't stick with it in every respect this was uh, a disaster for the organization in terms of pr in terms of relating to people and this is an organization that has had enough disasters and i actually still have more bullet points on that (laughs) Yeah, to wrap up, like, it, the, the, these situations can be really tricky because, it, as you said, it does get into those kind of thorny issues of how, how how long should something that someone did, however heinous, when they were 14, factor into our opinions on them, to factor into their careers or whatever. Um, in, in Canada, I believe, his name wouldn't have even been released, right? Shouldn't have been, yeah. So... You know, the, the, this is a tricky subject legally, even. Mm-hmm. Um, right? And different jurisdictions have different laws about the release of um, names and identifying information about criminal activity when for, for minors. But, yeah, like, the, this was what I can say for sure, because I don't have the answers regarding this in general, but what I can say for sure is the way, the way Arizona and Miller apparently have handled this is not very good. Yeah. Right. Where a lot of this seems like it could have been solved on Miller's end if he was contrite, if he did 
really attempt to um, change his behavior and admit his wrongdoings and do what he could to make amends for them. And he, from what it seems, he didn't. Mm-hmm. And from what it seems, Arizona didn't care. And they're they're reaping what they sowed, I suppose. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, the outline from the, the team building end was that they renounced the draft pick. They no longer have rights to it. So in a year where they didn't have a first, a second, or a third, they burned a fourth in this total mess of a decision that they made. Mm-hmm. And, and it's very much not to their credit on any level, I think, how they handled this. And that coincided with Taylor Hall walking on them for nothing uh, in more prosaic hockey news. Uh, they traded for Taylor Hall. They rented Taylor Hall. I've actually had occasion to comment on this on this podcast. And I said at the time, I'm like, I don't think that's a good idea. And then in the offseason, I said, he's probably going to leave. This was a bad idea. And now he's left and it was a bad idea. So not to pat myself on the back because I've been wrong about a lot of things. But that was silly. They shouldn't have done that. <laughs> And now they're standing holding their dicks in their hands. So good for them. The interesting thing is, so John Chayka has done all this. Mm-hmm. And by all accounts, so the, the, the relationship between him, him and the team went down because under new ownership, um, Chayka apparently affirmed his commitment and then was like, eh, peace. Um, <laughs> so understandably, they, they were annoyed. <clears throat> but like the, the, the bigger issue is like John Chayka's like a hot property somehow. Yeah, based on what? Exactly. Like, what services has he provided to the Arizona Coyotes organization? Where well, you're like, we gotta get that in there because the team sucks. Yeah, They're so, so bad. I, I might be misremembering. I think the position. I don't know if he started. Like, he's he's fully gone from Arizona at this point, but I guess he is. Um, I think the position was in Harris Sports Group, which owns the Sixers mm-hmm. and some other sports properties too. They own an esports property. They own some other stuff. Um. Uh, do they own a hockey team? I forget. But apparently it was like kind of a, a strategy thing there. Uh, they own the Devils, don't they? They own the Devils, yes. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And, and Chica hasn't... Team. Yeah. Which is... Uh, the, the soccer team is Crystal Palace, but... Uh, oh, yeah. That's a, that's a big soccer... Like, they're a yeah. Premier League club. Yeah. This is like a huge sports conglomerate. Now, officially, he hasn't gone anywhere yet that I can tell. Oh, it right was much hockey. rumored... Maybe they're waiting for a decent interval or something like that. What do you think he does on a day-to-day basis in Arizona now? <laughs> <laughs> Hides from the hordes of Angry Coyotes fans? No, I'm just kidding. That's not a thing. But, uh, yeah, so... I, I mean, he, to be clear, he's gone from Arizona, yeah. from the or- no, Arizona it, it, Orc. That, that situation seems untenable. They, no, they hired they hate a GM. Him. Yeah. Um, and... Bill slash Doug Armstrong, one of the two. <laughs> A man with strong arms. But the result was, anyway, he's left this team in a bit of a mess. And the team's in a bit of a mess anyway. Now, I want to be kind of careful with this because I know that this can turn into Canadian superiority where we're like, oh, none of these Southern teams make any money. Contract them all and move them to Halifax. But the Arizona Coyotes genuinely are in deep shit financially. They were late on paying their signing bonuses this offseason. And they did some check-is-in-the-mail stuff where they were like, oh, we sent it, it just hasn't arrived yet. Surely all these places use direct deposit now anyways. It was unbelievable. Um, And so, yeah, that doesn't reflect super well. They have a new owner who supposedly has a ton of money. But when this sort of thing is happening, 
That's not a good sign. That's well, like basic credibility stuff. Also, their their new owner, who I believe is Xavier Gutierrez, mm-hmm. um, his money comes from the casino industry. That which is may not, not be doing very well. Yeah, that's not a great industry to have in COVID. I mean, very few are, but if you're in if you're a grocery store, you're you're feeling this a lot less than if you're a casino. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that adds to a lot of pressures the result that you get to here is that you have a team that is somehow capped out that is terrible that does not have draft capital coming into the organization uh, this year they don't have their first or their third next year either which is gonna burn uh that you know swung and missed on its big acquisitions and then uh, we should add this final point. They were talking to Oliver Ekman Larson, who is supposedly their stud defenseman, who's got one of these massive term deals. Uh, it, it goes years into the future at $8.25 million against the salary cap. And so they were apparently talking to him about maybe getting traded. And he has a full no move, so he said only Boston or Vancouver. And I guess a deal couldn't be come to so i don't know what kind of stuff the coyotes would have been taking back they probably should have tried to get out of that deal while they could yeah um i think it was when within our first season of doing this pod i i, I floated ekman larson uh an ekman larson like we the Leafs should try and acquire him yeah um and i think at that point i think that was probably the 16 17 season wasn't it because we, we started in matthew's rookie year yes yeah um and at that point, he had just come off a season where he probably should have won the Norris, and then mm. I believe was in the midst of another pretty good one. He, yeah, saying, he looked good. Yeah, I'm saying this to defend myself, because <laughs> if the Leafs acquired him, it would have been a terrible deal, because he, he just hasn't... Um, his play has seemingly really dropped off. He's had a bad few years, like to the point where it's like, okay, is this one of the worst contracts in the NHL? And yeah. Dom Lachishan at The Athletic... Wrote an article on which he said, yeah, kind of. Yeah. No, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, so basically up until 15-16, and 15-16 was the strongest season, but up until 15-16, he was like probably a, a, by the numbers, seems to be basically a top pair guy. And then pretty much since 16-17, so the following season, he's really fallen off. And that's a problem because, you know, in that time he signed a $8.25 million deal. Yeah, that's going to have a long tail and it won't be a lot of fun if he's this rough in year two of it so yeah and and there's also the issue where you know this this team has been a bit of a disaster on and off ice for a while and ekman larson was their their homegrown captain who you know probably isn't that good anymore but it was seen as a star was a guy who stayed when he didn't have to and probably would have won a lot more elsewhere Mm -hmm. um so, yeah, like, it's, uh, trading him is also, it's it, it's a bad look, uh, even though it's by far, it's he's definitely the right move. I remember when he signed that deal, I was annoyed both that he signed it, like, from at least perspective, because at that time, I still coveted him. I, I kind mm-hmm. of attributed the decline he saw in that time to, like, an Arizona stink, but it seems clear that it's not that anymore. Um, and I'm also mad at him, because it's like, all these hockey players go like, oh, yeah, I really want to win, and then they sign these no hope or deals in arizona 
Do you think you, you he still feels that way about it? Do you think yeah. maybe it started to, to twinge a bit? Maybe. Yeah. So, anyways, um, we should probably move on from Arizona because it's been half an hour and we've talked about two teams. Yeah, uh, we'll just say the Arizona Coyotes might be contending for the title of the worst run team in the NHL thus far. And the new Armstrong in charge has the responsibility to change that. And, you know, he doesn't own in a moral sense the things that happened before he got there. But the team, as he's got it, almost nothing is going right right now. It's pretty bad. So, yeah. Uh, The Boston Bruins are favorite. They signed Craig Smith for three years at $3.1 He's like a fancy stat hero third liner. And he does also produce. I'm mad because I think this deal is good even if Craig Smith is a bit up there in age. Uh, they extended Matt Grizzlick uh, for four years at $3.688 million, preempting an arbitration hearing. He seems to be a good middle-pairing defenseman. Uh, they let Tory Krug walk in free agency to St. Louis. I'm not sure if that means that Charlie McAvoy is going to be their power play defenseman, but they have an opening there. Zidane Chara, I'm not sure if he's coming back. Uh, at this point, I think the end is probably pretty much there. He can find a job if he wants one, but he, he's no longer all that good. Uh, they have no, they had no first round pick in this most recent draft. Uh, they're sitting on 6.6 million or so estimated in cap space, which they're going to use to sign Jake DeBrusque at some point. He will not cost that much. Um, yeah, I, do you get the impression they swung and missed in free agency a little bit? I mean, I I wonder if they did. Mm-hmm. The thing is, it, it was a weak uh, defense free agency crop, right? Yeah. Uh, and the, the best guy on the market was probably the one they lost in Tory Group. Yeah. Well, absent Petrangelo, right? But yeah. Yes, yes, of course, yes. Um, yeah. But would they even have the space to fit Petrangelo in? It would have been pretty I mean, if effort, right? If they didn't sign Craig Smith, they might have been able to do it. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting. I, I We have no idea mm. uh, for sure what they were thinking. It's it's probably Boston's, notable. Yeah, so great. Yeah, Boston's defense group doesn't look that good anymore. It looks like it's Charlie no. McAvoy and friends. Yeah. Um, Matt Grizzlick is pretty decent, I think. Uh, he's always impressed me, I think. He he's you know it's it's a lottery when you when you get that sheltered third pair of guy whether they can step up into a, a bigger role, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I remember one of the years we faced them in the playoffs. He he was that sheltered third pairing guy, and he I, I liked the look of them then. I I think he's he's relatively good even in in slightly more um, meaningful roles. Yeah, he can play second pair no problem. Yeah, so there's that. Uh, so their defense score is not as great, but their forward depth is, you know, among the best in the league, and they have probably the two best forward contracts in the league. I guess maybe aside from Nathan McKinnon, mm-hmm. um, in, in Marshawn and Pasternak. Yeah, um, Pasternak is recovering from injury. Yes, and he's going to miss like, well, if it's a Jan one start date, he will miss like a, you know, the first month of the year or something. Yeah, I, I mean that probably. That start date seems a trifle optimistic to me, but yeah, so... Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, this team will make the playoffs, and the only question is being healthy and ready to rock as of playoff time. Again, age hangs over it a little bit. Yeah, and I guess the goaltending question too, right? With um, with Rask obviously not participating in the return to play. 
Yeah, well, he did, and then he didn't, right? He left partway through, yes. and t to be clear, by all accounts, he was attending to his daughter, who was having a medical issue. It, yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know how It's not a question of, like, qu questioning his will to win or anything, but, like, you, you do wonder, to some extent, if he... If... Um... He's, he's has one foot out the door and thinking about his family and his retirement and things like that. Because he's 33. Mm -hmm. His contract is up after this year. Um, he might not... He clearly doesn't enjoy being away from his family. No. Right? V very understandably, I think. Yeah. A lot sure. of people... Like, that's a very admirable trait, frankly. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if at some point, you know, after this season, he's just like, you know what? I've made my millions. Uh, I've, I've done really well. I'm going to go back to Finland and enjoy life with my family. Could be. Yeah, and if right. so, power to him. It uh, yeah. it sort of leaves it in a strange spot. They have uh, Yarrow Halak, who was like maybe the best 1B in the NHL for most of his career. Mm. He always seems to be a guy in a platoon, and then he does really well. And then you're like, why isn't this guy a starter? But then it never quite sticks. But still, that's a good goaltending group. Yeah, but between the two of them, They'll you can it. expect yeah. good goaltending. And they're paying for it. They're paying $9 million for their goaltenders. Yeah, which should squeeze them you would think except again they have multiple insanely good value forward contracts so they're not really that squeezed mm. um to the extent that you would think i i mean this is a, a good team i think probably they've fallen off a little bit like i think you know losing krug and the decline slash departure of Zidane chara does hurt them a bit and again I feel like I say this every year, but Bergeron's 35, Krejci is 34, Marchand is 32. We could expect some decline at any point from any of those guys, and that makes them less dominant. But, like, I still right. think the, the, this is a top-table team. It is. The, the window is, it's not closing, but it's it's getting a little smaller. Yeah. Right? Like, the, the, these past few years were really the years where they were probably most likely to win the cup, and, and they very easily could have, mm -hmm. you know, either this year or, or previous years, right? Obviously, they got to Game 7 of the cup finals, right? That's a, that's, that's a cup-quality team. Absolutely. Um, but it didn't happen, which we're all happy for. <laughs> um, I think in Leafs Nation, we don't really talk about the Bruins in the way that I'm about to, because um, we always see them as the boogeyman, as like, you know, they're the antagonist for us, right? But, you know, to their own fans, they're their own protagonists. And they have their own expectations and, and dreams of winning the cup that they have failed to live up to. Mm. Right? And this is... These next year or two years um, could be seen as kind of the last ride of this this group. Right? Krejci expires this year. Bergeron expires the year after. We don't know what their level of play is going to be at that point. They're still very good now. So they, they will still probably be quite good then. But, you know, it could be seen in, in Boston among Boston fans and in Boston media as like, okay, this is, you know, this is the last ride. Right. Uh, you know, they won't get tagged with inability to win because several of them have won back in 2011. Yes. But yeah, I think there's certainly an open question as to how much longer this is going to go on. And we'd like to think not very long as Leaf fans, but going into this year, I consider them one of the four teams that are genuinely top tier contenders. Yeah. They're in that top group. Yeah. And, you know, until they prove otherwise, I think you have to leave them there, even if the defense is McAvoy and friends. Yep. So, good for them. Shall, yep. Shall we move on to the Sabres? Yes. Um, you know, I feel like we laugh at the Sabres pretty much every time, and I'm going to laugh at them a little less this time, which is sad yes. for me. 
Yeah, um, they did sign Taylor Hall. Yeah. Uh, I, so uh, we should start from uh, the top of the front office. They replaced Jason Botterill, who was considered sort of the brains in Pittsburgh before coming to Buffalo. And then he went and ran Buffalo and they were like, maybe the brains aren't here. And well, it, it, it's, it, it more and more appears that Pittsburgh was sharing one brain between multiple people. <laughs> and that, that brain was an, I mean, that, that, that's where harsh, is it right? gone? <laughs> like, yeah. It, it's it now. Yeah. I, I wonder they, they, they made some good bets. Pittsburgh did. And then they've made some really terrible bets since then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, anyway, we'll get to Pittsburgh in due time next yes. episode. But uh, Jason Botterill not having a good time. And so they replaced him with ex-player and business side executive Kevin Adams. And Adams has had an interesting start. The big takeaway is they signed Taylor Hall. Pause. Emphasis. Taylor Hall? Taylor Hall to a one-year $8 million contract. Now it's one year. And it sounds like the Sabres did what I think a lot of teams should have done and just paid him some money. Like, it sounds like a lot of other teams tried to really lowball him. And I know that there are financial strains and stressors, but a lot of teams are still spending and it's one year. It's not like you're eating massive term risk on this. Buffalo would probably have liked to get term, you know, so this isn't just a one and done, but whatever. I think that they're going to be pretty happy with that even if taylor hall is not quite what he appeared to be that heart trophy season where he looked like maybe the best winger in the world yeah hall was very good i mean there, yeah he's, he's had some brutal luck to be on terrible teams and i think that's that saddled him with this reputation <laughs> and of he like, was like okay that's over i'm going to buffalo <laughs> yeah <laughs> write your own jokes there yeah um but I, that sounded him with this reputation of, oh, he's not like a true star forward. And I don't think that's the case. Uh, I think he is, you know, a star forward. I think he's very, very good. Uh, his biggest issue has been the fact that he gets injured a lot. And I, I haven't followed his career closely enough to know what type of injuries they are, if they're muscle or impact or anything like that. But when he's on the ice, he's a, he's a damn good player. Mm-hmm. And it, it has to be said, Buffalo's top six now has the potential to be, at least offensively, one of the best in the NHL. If Jeff Skinner can kind of remember how hockey works, you know, they still have Jack Eichel, who's a superstar. They've got Sam Reinhardt. They've got Victor Olofsson, who was productive. They've got Eric Stahl. And you know what? I should explain by what method they acquired these guys, because I do have them in my notes. So one moment. I'll just get through this. Mm -hmm. uh, they signed Cody Eakin. To two years at $2.25 million. Uh, Cody Eakin isn't very good, but they did it. He's a bottom six center who doesn't seem that great at it, but whatever. They signed Zegmus Jorgensen's to three years at 2.2. He's an okay depth guy. That's more than he should make, but okay. Uh, they traded Marcus Johansson for Eric Stahl. And Stahl has one year at 3.25 left and is about to turn 36. But Eric Stahl is a really good player. Even now, he's still Even very now. good. Yeah, and so uh, I think people have kind of forgotten, you know, like this guy is a Hall of Fame caliber talent. He, I, I mean, he, he has the Minnesota Wild, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, er, er, people are like, Eric Stahl's still in the league? <laughs> it's a memory hole. Like, you could just go there and disappear into the ether. But yeah, yeah, so he's still here. He's still good. And so I thought that was a good trade for them. Marcus Johansson never quite worked in Buffalo. And for this year, at least... 
you know, Eichel, Stahl, one, two down the middle with the wingers they can put with them. Yeah, Stahl's the second line center is really good. Yeah, really good. like this is, this is just fine. The top six is not a problem. Now, they, so I should keep going. Sam Reinhart got one year at 5.2 million. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, Sam Reinhart has probably always been weirdly underrated because he was drafted second overall. He's the William Nylander of Buffalo. Yes. Uh, Kevin, our uh, friend of the pod from Buffalo, has said this in the past, that he seems to be underrated by a lot of Sabres fans, but he's really good. And, and th- to be clear, that's that's um, a comparison that I make based on their overall level of play and how they are seen. Playstyle-wise, they are nothing alike. No. But, um, like, Reinhardt's a good player who gets dogged because of, you know, misplaced expectations. Mm-hmm. And because he's a good player in ways that are not immediately obvious. Yeah. Um, now, that's it. Like, he still produces. Like, he's yeah, like a 50-60 point player. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so he's quite good. Uh, I would have liked to lock him up for some term in their position, but maybe that wasn't on. One year right. at 5.2 is totally fine for what he brings. But it, it does seem like it's, like, I'm not, if I'm a Sabres fan, I'm, and they might be more, you know, Sabres fans are more clued into this than I am. Um, so maybe I'm wrong here, but it, it doesn't seem like they're marrying the guy. No, and you know, because a one year is usually considered kind of a show me, and it's like, what are you waiting for him to show you, as opposed to lock this guy up for term because he's good. So that's something to, you know, look out for going forward. He will still be an RFA at the end of this contract, albeit with arbitration rights. Um, he's getting into that range where he could get it, get an ARB award. Uh, I believe he could walk to UFA after that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, maybe they don't know if it's going to be long-term or maybe they think, you know, after this year, everyone will settle in. Um, they extended Victor Olofsson, who was a quite old rookie, but he had 20 goals in 54 games. Uh, now, granted, he was 24, but still... That's good, and they can put him on one of their top two lines, and he'll be a finisher. I think he, was was he a power play guy primarily this year? I, I yeah, he was a big part of that. Yeah, hmm. um, you know, there's a lot to like about that. So all good there. Now they they extended Linus Olmark at one year at two point six million. Linus Olmark seems fine. He's like a middling goalie. I have no capacity to predict what he's going to do next year. He could be really good. He could turn into jam. All I can note is that last year he appeared to be good. You know? Um, So good luck with that. In general, I think Buffalo did the big things well and the small things badly. I think that that's a very accurate description with maybe one exception. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking of their draft pick. And I'm not. yes. Yes. So I yeah, about that. in uh, in personnel transactions though they have what looks like a really good top six. The bottom six is not that great for the most part, kind of overpaid in a couple spots, and the defense is still very much a work in progress. If if you know Rasmus Dahlin can become, they can take a step and become an elite defenseman that everyone expects him to be. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be great. I, and I I remember. Kevin and I, and we both discussed this, 
uh, when we did our top twenty-one, top ten players under twenty-one, mm-hmm. right? And we probably had Dalian a little bit low on the basis of a, of a weaker sophomore season than his rookie season. We probably forgot how good his rookie season was. Mm-hmm. But you know, if he if he you know fought, delivers on that promise, it helps a lot. Otherwise, they're still playing Rasmus Ristolainen. Yeah, they don't seem like they're giving up on that yet. I don't know. Maybe the league has finally figured out Rasmus Ristolainen is super overpaid. I yeah. don't know. Well, I mean. Rasmus switched a line, and it's like he's the cockroach quality of Martin Marinson that he's just always around. <laughs> yeah. Except they're paying him like 10 times as much. Yeah, 5.4 million. And you know what? Given how hard it got to move money this offseason, I wouldn't be surprised if this was finally the point where teams were like, okay, no, we really don't want him. The thing is, he's, he's only 26. <laughs> it feels like he's a billion. I feel like we've had Rasmus Ristolainen arguments since the 80s. Like, he's in half the clips where Gretzky's undressing someone somehow. I, okay, I could be wrong about this, but I think in our very first podcast, we made fun of Rasmus Ristolainen. Literally <laughs> episode one. Yeah, we're on episode 122, is it? Something like yeah. that? Oh, my Lord. Anyway, but that's still happening. So, I think... You know, that's kind of a balancing act. The Sabres will be more fun this year than they have been in a while. Which is not... unclear if they're good enough to get into the playoffs, though. Yeah, and that's They're in a tough division. They are. Not to toot the Leafs' horn as well, but, like, Tampa and Boston are two contending teams, right? Mm -hmm. The Leafs are a playoff team, I'd say. Like, they're they're, going to be in that playoff mix, right? I can see them falling out of it if things go disastrously. But, you know, we're going to be in that mix. Yeah. And well, then you have a bunch of teams that are all, you know, reasonably decent, like Buffalo, Montreal. Yeah. Actually, it's just those two teams. It's those two. And Florida, exactly. I guess. Yeah. Eh, Florida sucks. So, <laughs> that's too strong. But, yeah, when I kind of map out the division in my head right now, I have Tampa, Boston, Gap, Toronto, Montreal, Gap, Buffalo. And fifth in the Atlantic doesn't preclude making the playoffs. If I had to guess, I would say this team will finish about 85 points give or take Mm -hmm. which is not good enough but that's close enough where if a bunch of things go right for them they could do it and they could see playoff hockey for the first time in a long time um so certainly there's a lot that's still not working right here that bottom six is super dicey that defense needs some work but they've got firepower now and that's a start Uh, i did want to just mention the draft pick so they Mm -hmm. were picking eighth overall which is, I think that should just be called the Buffalo slot. It feels like they always pick it. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. The, um, wasn't middle, no, middle stat was a bit below that, but Alex Niedander was 8th. Uh, yeah. Um, middle stat was 10th. And then Dylan Cozens was 8th, I think. Something like that. I know Ristolainen was 8th. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, so they drafted Jack Quinn. Now, I want to not overstate this case, and I also want to say I'm totally boring other people's knowledge here because I don't know shit about the draft on my own accord. I just read a bunch of stuff. And I read more once the Leafs got a first-round pick because it became of more direct interest. But it sounds like Jack Quinn is a pretty good scorer. Like, no one's saying, oh my god, this guy will never play NHL hockey or anything like that. He might not, but that's true of almost everybody. But he was considered kind of a reach, and he played on a team with Marco Rossi. And Rossi is considered the better pick, and he was much better thought of in scouting circles. And Minnesota, who picked ninth after Buffalo, was like, thank you, and picked up Rossi immediately. And a lot of people were saying, 
why would you scout this team so much and then pick the guy who's not the best player on the team who's in his draft year? But anyway, we shouldn't be too absolute in judging draft picks right after they're made because, you know, with hindsight, often it turns out that we didn't have a full picture. You can't at the draft stage. It's just interesting to see them go kind of off board like that. And those are the kind of decisions where in three years, are you saying, Jesus, we should have taken Marco Rossi? Or are you saying, thank our lucky stars, we had a smart GM like Kevin Adams and he saw through the fog and got Jack Quinn? I don't know. But it's it's worth noting. Yeah. So it's just something to keep an eye on going forward. Um, But yeah, anyway, so like Buffalo is still not very good, but they're less of a tragedy than they have been. So Mm -hmm. the Calgary Flames... Uh, the Calgary Flames made Coach Jeff Ward permanent. That's great. Uh, they signed Jacob Markstrom to six years at $6 million. Jacob Markstrom was the goaltender for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, I don't know if that's a great idea. They also signed Chris Tanev, another former Vancouver Canuck, who is a quality right-handed defenseman. He doesn't have bones or joints anymore, which is too bad. But when he's healthy, he can still play pretty well. It's just that's the big conditional. Uh, they extended Andrew Mangiapane, who decided to get this bread. Thank you. Two years at $2.45 million per. That was terrible. That was almost the worst joke I've ever done. And he's actually quite a good player. Like He, he is, looks yeah. like he might be potentially second-line caliber. And if you get that at two point, sorry, two point four five. Uh, you're laughing. Mm. Uh, and then they did one other thing. At the draft, they traded down a bunch, kind of Kyle Dubas style, while still getting Connor Zary 24th overall. And in my limited knowledge, I really like Connor Zary. I certainly think that they should be happy about that, that they you know, picked up picks and still got that guy. Um, and that's it. So I don't... The big question is, have they solved their goaltending problem? And no one knows. But they hope they have. And so it's just a question of, can Jacob Markstrom solidify that position for them? And then make them start to look respectable. They still have a lot of big names. The underlying numbers have not been as great as maybe it seems like they should be. So, yeah, I mean, they still have names like Matthew Kachuk, Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monaghan, and then Mark Giordano. Rasmus Anderson, you know, like this, this seems like a good team to me. I don't know. Yeah, no, and they've been an all but the goaltending team for a while, haven't they? It seemed like it. Like that was what was holding them back. Now, I mean, you look under the hood a little bit and you're like, are they really that good? But they should be. They should be something pretty respectable in the West, I would think. Yeah. I When I look at this team, I guess... It always seems like they're on the verge of breaking up with Johnny Goodrow. Yeah. Which, you know, I know he had a down year, but it's like, he's a yeah, good I th- player. I think good. And I, yeah. Tatia and I disagree about this because she, she's lower on Goodrow than I am. Mm-hmm. But I think Goodrow's a really good player. I really, like, I, I like so him a lot. He's had this, some, some very publicized playoff failures. And maybe my blind spot as an analyst is, I was, I was thinking of writing about this actually at some point, but the idea of, um, playoff players and whether they are different in style than regular season players right and, and mm-hmm. Goodrow 
you know, whenever he doesn't do well in the playoffs, you're going to hear about it because he's a small guy and everyone's like, oh, got to be big in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to bring this back to the Leafs, as everything should be, uh, it, it's the same with William Nylander. Right. Right? Where anytime he doesn't do well in the playoffs, um, it's a, oh, William Nylander not, not tough enough to do well in the playoffs. Now, Nylander, in the case of this year, was not very good in the playoffs, but he also had a lot of company. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I mean, Gaudreau has produced in several of their playoff runs. Like, they yeah, had a couple of early I think it's, I think it's outs, like a very but... recent thing. Where, yeah. So, I, I don't know a lot about Calgary, but, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't like the, the Tanev deal very much. Yeah. It's Tanev just... three years ago, that's great. Yeah, Tanev that's, now, that's uh... like, we, we, we've been We've been fantasy traded Chris Tanev for so long that, you know, it would have been a good idea when it first happened, and then it, by the time it's it's happened... Like, by the time he's finally moved teams, it's it's not... He's not very good anymore, and he's very old and very injured. Yeah. It feels like one of the deals that we signed this year for, like, Simmons or Thornton, now that they're kind of on the back nine. But both of those guys are on very cheap one years. This yeah. is, like, a real deal for a guy. And so that they just have to hope that he stays healthy, I guess. Oh, you forgot to mention, they, they also signed Josh Levo. Oh, right. Well... I mean, that is, uh, the world is spun on its axis in that acquisition. Well, I, but, yeah. I, I think that's a good signing for them, actually, because it's very yeah. cheap. Yeah, it it's is. very, very cheap. The question right? with like, Levo is also health. Yeah, but... 875K. I think Levo's an NHL player. Like, I know yeah. it didn't work here for whatever reason, um, but this is something we talk about a lot. Like, the, the, the difference in value between those kind of marginal, like, bit NHL players, it, it's not large. Or, yeah, it's a very, very small difference between... Uh, those players and year to year the variance can ease like in how players perform just due to luck and just due to you know various other things that we can't properly quantify yet um the difference in how they perform due to that is probably larger than you know the spread in true talent between them right, right. and that, that's also part of the idea of what the Leafs have done in downgrading their their third line right yeah yeah no it's it's true and so yeah I it's hard to predict but he's been productive you know he's big He's got a booming shot. Yeah, I, I think that he's he is a worthwhile add, all joking aside, uh, at that dollar value. I mean, it, it almost can't be wrong, but like given what he's demonstrated, you'd certainly take a chance on that, notwithstanding his recent injuries. So, yeah. Um, that said, like I look at all of this and I think, okay, either Markstrom has stabilized the goaltending, or this team is still kind of where it is. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. So th- they're always an interesting team to watch. Uh, they signed Jesper Fast to three years at $2 million per. He is the most Carolina Hurricanes player of all time. Like, he just, like, is, like, versatile and responsible and drives play on the third line, but he doesn't score that much. Uh, they traded the rights to Joel Edmonton Edmundson. To Montreal for a fifth, which is good. Now they don't have Joel Edmondson. Uh, they extended Warren Fogarty for one year at two point one five million. He's a decent, considered sort of a grittier-ish lower winger, kind of a power forward type. And they drafted Seth Jarvis, thirteenth overall. Um, just as an aside, because this kind of parallels developments with the Leafs, the Carolina Hurricanes have gone super skill heavy. And by skill, I mean, like, ability to see and make plays and stuff like that over kind of all outs. 
and they'll take guys who are small or guys who are slow as long as they have lots of skill and they've really been devoted to that. And so that's been remarked on by draft analysts like Corey Promman and Scott Wheeler. And the Leafs have done some of that similar stuff with their bets on Hockey IQ. It's just something to keep an eye on. And it'll be interesting to see if all these Carolina picks that are so well thought of by certain scouting analysts pay out. Or if they do start thinking, okay, we needed to get a bit more speeder size. Right. They, they lost uh, Sammy Vatnin too, right? Well, I don't... Sammy Vatnin still hasn't signed anywhere else, but it doesn't look like it's going to be in Carolina. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, they can afford it, frankly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's oh, not that Boston good. Maybe signs Vatnin then. At this point, everything's open. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, you know, Vatnin, I, I don't really want we've him, looked at him a handful of times and every time it's like I, we don't really see what the hype is about he seems like he should be better than he is but like he's he can probably be your fourth fifth defenseman mm-hmm. and that's fine um the hurricanes have enough defensemen uh we've talked about this a million times hamilton slavin sky no i said it again it's brady shea why do i call him sky i i see the <laughs> word my brain breaks down uh jake gardner Britt pesci and Hayden Fleury. Like, they have a perfectly fine defense group. They have a good forward group. They don't have a ton of, like, high-end scoring. It's Sebastian Ajo, kind of. Mm-hmm. But as Andrei Sveshnikov comes more and more into his own, I think he's going to do that. And then the goaltending is still James Reimer and Peter Mrazek, which is, like, that's a bit dicey. Yeah, it's it's a good team let down by some some goaltending issues, it seems. Uh, I mean, we're huge fans of, of Sveshnikov, right? We've talked about mm-hmm. a lot. Martin Natchez, also really good, I think. Um, so that's a couple really strong players on ELCs that can maybe provide a bit more scoring boost. As, you know, they're going to continue to de- to develop. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's... I mean, Jordan Stahls, if he can stay healthy, he's still very useful, I think, right? Uh, yeah. He's, he's still an absurdly good play driver, just... He yeah. has, like, basically rubber mallets for hands now. Yeah, you know, very good two-way center. Just does not have the production. Again, you know, Carolina seems to me like the kind of team that should be very close to leaping out of the second tier. Yeah. You know? Like, they're yeah, in that 7-12 I, I bracket. What they're mi- I guess it's just a bit more scoring talent, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, and goaltending, that seems yeah. to be the, the big thing. Which, but they seem to have basically said, look, we're going to platoon guys in net, and that's it. Like, they absolutely refused to go out and try and get a capital S starting goalie. And I, I guess because of the variance in, yeah. in goaltenders, isn't it? Uh, well, I was going to say, like, there's a rational argument for that, where you're saying, like, look, I can't predict how goalies are going to do, especially when mm-hmm. they change teams. I'm not buying any certainty doing that. Why should I bother? And that, I think makes a lot of sense it's just hard not to notice that a lot of years they seem to end up kind of let down by their goaltending and so i would understand if they were tempted to start spending money on goaltending let's put it that way but they are not doing it really they've got this platoon going and yeah you know like i could see this team having a a bit of a hot shooting year and then everyone says okay the carolina hurricanes have finally arrived and they're among the best teams in the NHL. They're just a bit short of that right now for me. So, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I agree. Okay, so the Chicago Blackhawks, 
Uh, wow. This is another one where I had too many notes, so please bear with me. Uh, they signed Matthias Yanmark to one year at 2.25. Uh, he's a decent kind of depth forward. It's a little rich, but I think it's fine. They signed Lucas Walmark to one year at 950K, which I would have taken. They got Dom Kubelik at two years at 3.7 million. Dominic Kubelik scored 30 goals as a old rookie last year. Um, they traded Brandon Saad to the Colorado Avalanche for Nikita Zadorov. And then they signed Zadorov for one year at 3.2 million. Um, there were minor pieces in the trade that don't really matter. That was stupid. Like, that wasn't a good thing for them to do. They shouldn't have done it. Well, now the joke is that they've lost three separate trades involving Brandon Saad. <laughs> that has to be some sort of, like, award-winning maneuver on their part, I, I, right? I forget. What did they trade? So, okay. So, they they traded him to Columbus, right, for, to start mm-hmm. for, like, Marco Dano and someone else. Um, and that wasn't great. Then they traded Panarin for him, which was, like, the huge disaster. Right. And, and now they, they traded him, him away for Zadorov. This is yeah, it's like turning a house into a paperclip. Yeah, it's incredible. And like Saad is still a good player. Like he's a useful player. He's he's not like obviously he and Artemi Panarin have diverged in career arc, but like he's fine. And then you're like, okay, the Blackhawks are rebuilding now. Uh it's avowed that they're doing that. They wrote a very nice letter. But even if you're doing sale trades, sell Brandon Saad and get something good. Don't get Nikita Zadorov. He sucks. Zadorov is the epitome of the big man hit go boom school of defensemen where he hits people, but he's not that great at hockey. And I don't know what real good that does, but you can get guys who do that if you think that they're of some utility for a rebuilding team for whatever reason. But it's like, why trade Brandon Saad, who's like a good player, to do that? Anyway, Colorado won that trade. Uh, and then they traded Ali Mata to the Los Angeles Kings for an ECHL prospect. So this was a money dump. They retained $750,000 to do it. Uh, they reacquired Brandon Peary again. I Like, they just do this with every single player who comes to the organization. They seem to be like, we got to get him back. Um... They let Corey Crawford walk, which was, that's the real sign that it's a rebuild, right? Because yeah. their goalies are now Colin Delia and Malcolm Saban. And Corey Crawford, while old, is still good. So now, yeah, it all sucks. So they've said they were rebuilding. The core players are supposedly not super happy about it. But it's like, what are they going to do? Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, wave your new well, move clause or shut yeah. up. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, I understand why the team's doing what they're doing. I understand mm-hmm. why the players are annoyed, but yeah, I mean, this is this is the sports business, man. Yeah, like, and I do, like, like they had this athletic story where Taze gave like a very pointed interview, and they also said on background the players were like, "We're not going to get, you know, manipulated into waiving our no move clauses." Like, okay, but then you're going to be here. Yeah, and Stan Bowman was like, "Yeah, I don't care." Like, I'm going to do my job. It's a bit of cutting off your nose to spite your face from the players at that point. Yeah. Well, and, I, mean, you know, I understand. It's not a great situa- situation for them, but... No. I don't yeah, know. If, like, if, I, yeah, at some point, you yeah. just have to... Okay, is this situation bad enough that I, I want to leave and go somewhere I can win? It's a tough yeah. decision, but that's just the way it is. 
for sure. And, you know, I get these are guys who love winning. They have three cops. So, like, I don't think that they've been, you know, hard done by in that regard. Uh, and, you know, Taze and Kane and possibly even Keith, they're probably all still tradable. Mm. Especially if you're willing to retain or take money back. They don't have awful term at this point. Obviously, Seabrook, no one in a million years is going to touch that contract, but it's going to be LTIR forever anyway. So, yeah, I mean, they're in an interesting space. I keep thinking, as nuts as it sounds, Taze to Winnipeg makes so much sense to me. Mm. They need a second line center every year. He's from Winnipeg. But, you know, he, he costs too much money for that. But, yeah, just something to keep an eye on. Anyway, the Hawks at least seem to know that they're bad. Which is good. Um, you know, they, they said in the press release, we're going to stockpile young players to complement our top players. But it's like, come on, man. Like, this is... Yeah, it's yeah pretty pretty blatant. Yeah, so... Yeah. Okay. Oh, and they they drafted uh, Lucas Reichel, who's the, the nephew of Robert Reichel. High school forward. So good for them. Uh, yeah. All right, the Colorado Avalanche. I, I mean, this is, the I think, the best team in the West at this point. As long as goaltending holds up. They're they're very good. They're very, very good. Yeah, and they got better. So they extended Andre Burakovsky, uh, two years at four point nine million. He and Kadri had a nice year as a scoring second line. Burakovsky's points went way up. They extended Valerie Nichushkin at two years uh for two point five million. You may remember Nichushkin for being the middle six winger who has insane defensive results. And, like, provoked arguments about what you have to do to win a Selkie. Because his numbers are ridiculous. Uh, they extended Ryan Graves at three years for $3.167 million, preempting an ARB hearing. He seems kind of bad. So I wasn't so sure about that one, but whatever. Uh, they traded two second-round picks to the Islanders for Devin Tays. And then signed really him for four move. years at $4.1 million. Yeah, this is the... Um, That's the kind of the, the, the crown jewel, actually. Exactly. And, yeah, I mean, Colorado has kind of sat on its cap space for a long time by virtue of having those terrific deals, especially for Nathan McKinnon, who is absurdly underpaid. And as a result, they were able to take advantage of a team like the Islanders, who were totally over a barrel in terms of their cap space and had to give up on whether it be Taze or Ryan Pulak. And so they made their choice. And... Yeah, Taze looks like a guy who can play certainly top four and potentially higher. So that's great. Uh, they traded Zadaroff for Saad. I, I mean, we've just discussed that, but Saad is a good offensive winger. Uh, and they have Bowen Byram on the way, potentially. I don't know if he'll play this year, but he's considered it a great defense prospect. Um, oh, yeah. yeah and they draft... a good team who got better, basically. Yeah. They, they drafted Justin Bear in 25th overall, who's a good skating defenseman, as if they don't have enough of those. And, yeah, like, this is this is an exceptional team. The only thing is goaltending. They've got Grubauer and Frankuz, and that kind of let them down in the playoffs as both of those guys struggled with injuries, and then they had to play Michael Hutchinson, and that's really the only reason I think they lost to the Stars. Like, they were, in my opinion, the better team. Grubauer has always looked good as kind of a 1A guy. So maybe that'll be fine. Beyond that, like the goaltending is like, you're not 100% rock certain of it. But beyond that, like this is a great team. 
I'm not guaranteeing them anything, but I, I think that they're the best team in the West now. So yeah, I mean it's hockey. There's never any guarantee, but yeah, they're yeah they're a, they're very very good. They're very yeah, very and good. I, and they're they're I, they've been well managed. They've... Yeah, you know we all made fun of Joe Sakic for the longest time, but like now it's like <laughs> he looks to have done pretty well as it turns out. Yeah, certainly. And, yeah. I mean, I'm not super um, informed on. I guess it, it was a situation that was, I guess, in some ways hard to mess up because you have that McKinnon deal. But he, he's they've done a very good job of adding as well, which is typically the harder part. And, and I mean, getting Kadri was was obviously a good get. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, lots of lots to like there. Lots to like. Yeah. How many fucking teams are there that start with a C? Like all the league starts with a C. It's too many. Yeah. Uh, and so our recent nemesis, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Is there anything more on brand for them than signing Miko Koivu? Like, you know, he's <laughs> yeah, like it's... exactly who they should sign. Miko Koivu was at one point a Selkie caliber player. He's still a good defensive center, but he's 37. But they got him for one year at 1.5. So, like, that's fine. Um, they traded Ryan Murray to the New Jersey Devils for a fifth. That's a pure cap dump. Ryan Murray is good when healthy, which is not often. Uh, they traded Josh Anderson to the Montreal Canadiens for Max Domi and then extended Domi for two years at 5.3, which probably gives them a bit more offense. Domi, I think, is like a capable offensive center, even though defensively he doesn't seem to do anything or care. Uh, they extended Vlad Gavrikov at three years by $2.5 million, which nice is totally little. respectable. Yeah, nice little piece of business. They've got an estimated $9.2 million most of which is going to go to Pierre-Luc Dubois, who is really good. Um, I think it's like it's all fine. They're they're probably a little better, I think, than they were. I don't think that they're out of the mushy middle of the league or anything. No, no, that's that's who they are, right? Yeah, um, they're still going to be annoying to to face for anyone. They're probably not mm-hmm. a contender, but yeah, and, and you know they got absolutely terrific goaltending out of a, a couple of lesser known players and so that'll be something to keep an eye on um if that doesn't repeat they may not look quite as impressive as they once did it's probably worth noting they went kind of bananas and drafted Igor Chinakov 21st overall and lots of teams were like we projected him to go in like the 70s so it's like the hugest reach of the first round. And so now everyone's like, do they know something? Because they apparently, you know, the Blue Jackets scout the KHL in Finland very well, supposedly. Or did they just kind of fall in love with a guy and go kind of nuts about him? Yeah, and Chinikov, I think, set a good start in terms of goal scoring in the KHL. Now, granted, the yeah. KHL this year is weird because of all the COVID-related uh, absences and illnesses. It's gonna kind of, this year's gonna gonna screw up the NHL E stuff um, for a little yeah. bit. I think. It has it has that possibility for sure? Yeah, no, it's, it's gonna get weird because you have guys who are normally MHL players who are now on first lines, and that has all sorts of ripple effects for the quality of the competition and the quality of teammates and everything. It's gonna get be, turned into a huge mess. So anyway, I think you know Columbus is. I'm sorry, but they're not exciting. They really can't be exciting. 
no, and nothing they, they, that they've they, done is we, we talked about Columbus so much because of the series, right? Um, yeah. They're playing a style that makes sense given their roster limitations. Those roster limitations make it hard to ever see them as an actual contender as opposed to a team that that ceiling is getting to the playoffs and taking a scalp, which is not yeah. to denigrate them. That's a very that's more than the Leafs have done in 15 years. Yeah. Well, they took our scalp. Good for them. Exactly. And, you know, they, they took Tampa the year before, which was an achievement. But, yeah, like this is a mediocre team. They're they're gritty and they try hard and they're mediocre. Um, Dallas, uh, they made Coach Rick Bonus permanent. They extended Radic Faxa at five years, huh? at three point two five million. Maybe that's fine. Uh, Anton Kadobin, who you may remember from their Crazy Cup run, they gave three years at three point three three million. Kadobin is old though, and has customarily not been a starter for most of his career uh he'll be a starter for a while yet because ben bishop is injured to start the year but anyway we'll see they got mark pissick for one year at 750k out of florida he is a respectable right-handed defenseman he moonlights it forward you may remember he weirdly scored a hat trick on us and we were all embarrassed um was that this year yep I know it feels like it was a hundred years ago, and it was we, in like we, February. We had but... um, quite a run of embarrassing things happen to us this year, didn't we? Between this and the David Ayers thing. Oh God, yeah. Um, How did Mark Pisser score a hat trick against us? Jeez, we're bad, man. Yeah. I'm not proud of this team. Anyway, whatever. But uh, yeah, so now Sagan and Bishop both, yeah, are coming off tough surgeries that happened around the turn of this month. And they're both estimated to take five months to recover, which would push them to, like, start of March. So, that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, they have some cap space that's probably going to go to resigning Rupert Hintz and Denis Gurionov. They got these jerseys that looked like they went to a rave at Laser Quest. I thought that was fun. <laughs> they had a very um, quiet offseason. There's not much to say. Uh, so... They're a good team that was probably not the second best team in the league. No. And it's unclear if they'll be able to get back to that point, but they had a very good run out of it, and, you know, the fans should be pretty happy, I think, with that. Yeah, uh, and, you know, I... I actually listened to our previous league survey pods in rep, in preparation for this, just to see, like, what did we say? Were we right? Were we wrong? And we said Dallas is like a good team that's not like the best team, but that they could surge up if they got hot. And that's what happened. I don't think that they belong in that top tier. With No, you know, they're, they're in that second yeah. group, I think. Yeah, which is fine. And again, you can surge up from it. But then the question is now, how long are they going to stay there? Because a lot of this team is not that young. Now, Miro Heiskinen is 21 and is already awesome as hell. And that's really cool. But their core forwards are Sagan and Ben. Ben is mm-hmm. 31. Hasn't been that great lately. Sagan is quite good, but he's 28 and he's coming off a major surgery. Joe Pavelski's yeah. 36. Radulov's 34. You know, this team already didn't have a lot of forward firepower and it's getting old as hell. So... I don't think they're going to be better this year than last. Mm-hmm. And I could see them being worse. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a bit of a down note after a good run from them. But, like, I just, I don't, 
I don't take this team seriously as a top tier contender. I take them yeah. seriously as a good team, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, not a good team. <laughs> Detroit Red Wings. Mm. Um, yeah, they uh, they did a bunch of signings, and my notes on all of them were just the word neat over and over. I think I was losing interest in doing notes on the Detroit Red Wings, I have to be honest. They, they basically uh, just, they, they, they have an NHL team now. I would say they it, do. It's very bad, but it's an NHL team. And that yes. wasn't the case last year. Yeah. yeah. They did sign uh, Anthony Mantha. Yes. That could be a really good deal. Four yeah, years four. at 5.7. Mantha's really skilled. Mm-hmm. He's probably part of the next good Red Wings team, right? He, mm-hmm. he and Larkin almost certainly are along with like the prospects that they have in the, in the minors, I guess. Who do they have? Moritz Sider. Uh, who did they pick yeah. at four? four they picked year. Lucas Raymond. Right. who was considered extremely talented. And I think if they were a little patient, that could be a great pick. Mm-hmm. Um, they signed, I'll just blur through this, Nemesnikov, Stetcher, they extended Robbie Fabry, they extended Tyler Bertuzzi one year at 3.5. He might get a raise. And they got Thomas Grice, who has the potential to give them competent goaltending. Jimmy mm-hmm. Howard was awful last year. And so all of those deals still add up to it's a bad team. Yeah. Oh, and I should add, they took uh, Mark Stahl, who has one year at 5.7 for future considerations. Uh, He sucks, but they also suck. So it kind of doesn't matter that much. And it's gone in a year. They might have wanted him for character reasons or whatever else, which is the kind of thing that you can do when you suck. Uh, Yeah, so like they'll be bad, but they'll be less embarrassingly bad, I think. And that's all that really matters. Yeah. Go go in, draft high again, be patient. And yeah, they, they didn't take on any financial commitments that are going to bother them going into the future. I guess I we should note, uh, they bought out Justin Abdelkader, mm-hmm. which was a long time coming. Anyway, they know what they're doing. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, they did a lot. And, and I think most of it was good. Um, they signed Tyson Berry. And, you know, we've said too much about him already, but it's one year at 3.75 million. It's pretty hard for that to be like a really bad deal, obviously. Yeah, I don't think he's going to help their get... defense, but he, he's, I guess, I don't, does their power play need help? He'll, he'll continue no, to be but yeah, very but... good on the power play. He's going to get a lot of points. It's, a, it's very good for Tyson Berry. He's going to rebuild his value, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It could be helpful, especially considering Oscar Kleffbaum is potentially like very seriously injured oscar clefbaum apparently has a chronic shoulder injury Mm -hmm. and people have been saying everything from could miss significant time to may retire which is crazy to think about because he's not that old and he's a good player so i don't know how that factors into their thinking but they don't seem to be counting on him for the near future at any rate barry will get like i expect barry to get 50 60 points next year if you're on PP1 with McDavid and Dreisaitl and you are a competent offensive defenseman, which he is, there's no excuse for you not to be like top 10 in defense scoring. And I think he will be. Um, and some people will be like, oh, wow, I bet Toronto really laments. No, absolutely not, man. It, 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 not it's want. a fit thing, right? The, the, yep. the skills that um, Barry has are not as needed here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all things considered, that's fine. Uh, 
Kyle Turris. Turris is interesting, eh? Because he got signed to this huge deal in Nashville mm. um, to be a, a star two-way center. He looked bad pretty much the whole time he was there. They finally gave up and bought him right. out. N- Nashville's made all these moves to try and beef up their scoring, and then like seemingly none of them have worked. Yeah, again and again and again. And Cal Turris is now the wreckage of that. Um, anyway, now he's signed in Edmonton, two years, $1.65 million. And it does seem like the kind of deal that could be pretty valuable if Turris just gets back a little bit. Now, in Ottawa, he looked really good playing a lot of time with Mark Stone. And we know from experience Mark Stone can make a lot of people look better, certainly as two-way players. Right, and, so and also, I don't know, but Tur- Turris's yeah. play driving specifically is what's weak. Yeah, it's and really Edmonton, bad. As a play driving team, like that's their weakness, mm-hmm. right? Like they're 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 not good defensively. That's that's. It, it doesn't seem like it helps their issues. It's more of the same. Right, but he still does have talent, right? And if you play with either McDavid or Drysaitel, you're going to be put in positions where you can use that talent very effectively. Right. And so at this price point, I like it. Like, I don't think that it's guaranteed that he's going to be good. Like, it's not a total gimme, but... Yeah, yeah. For and 1. I 6, think... Or two years, 1.65, right? That, that's not... Yeah. That, if he's competent at all, that's something. Yeah. And, and, you know, Edmonton needs those kind of deals where someone has a chance at outperforming. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking of which, they brought uh, Jesse Pugliarvi back two years at 1.175. That's interesting. Uh, and, and, you know, Ken Holland, I think pretty clearly from the outset, was not willing to be rushed into a trade. Like, he basically said, look, we have his rights. We're not going to hurry. Let him go overseas if he wants, but we're going to keep his rights for when he comes back. And now he's come back. And, you know, there's a new coach, a new GM, and it sounds like Puglia RV has said, okay, I'm interested in giving it another try. Mm-hmm. Uh, he He's talented. No question. There's a reason that he went, you know, top four overall. It's just a question of, can he put it together? But I, I think he'll do he'll do okay this year. He'll put up points. Uh, and then lots, a couple of spare parts in Dom Cahoon and Tyler Ennis. Uh, very nice. Uh, Mike Smith, they extended him for one year at 1.5. I don't know who that was for. Uh, he's not good now. Hasn't been for a while. He's mm-hmm. 38. So whatever. Anyway, their goaltending is, is still going to be... Koskinen should be the guy. Uh, if it turns out that it has to be Mike Smith, I already don't like their chances, but whatever. Uh, Chris Russell signed an extension. That's expansion bait. It's not expensive. It's fine. And they drafted Dylan Holloway in the 14th overall. He's considered a good two-way forward. I think the Oilers should look respectable now. They'll, like, I think that... Be a, yeah. They'll be fine. It's just... Yeah. They're the same team. Better supporting it, it, cast at forward. Yeah. I think. Yeah. But, it, but that's gonna There's going to be goals. It's going to be a lot of goals. Yeah. Um, and, and the defense is still like... You don't have like an awful defense and then you add Tyson Berry and now it's fixed. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Ask us how we know. <laughs> I have some personal experience in that matter. But uh, yeah, so... They're going to get scored on a lot. So I hope Miko Koskinen is doing his stretches and eating his Wheaties because he's going to have a lot of work. But that said, I think the forwards should be at least be a little less embarrassing. Like those stats where it's like when McDavid or Dreisaitl is on, 
you know, the, the team has scored 200 goals, and when they're off, the team has scored, like, 12 or something like that. Like, right. It, I think it'll get a little less silly, and a lot of these guys could be good complementary players. So, we've said again and again, Ken Holland just has to be, like, replacement-level GM and do about as many good things as bad things and not actively shoot himself in the foot. He is continually meeting that standard without really exceeding it, in my opinion. Like, he keeps on doing okay. And that's enough to kind of keep you trucking, you know? So, yeah, I don't, I don't think that they're, like, a great team in the West or anything, but I think that they're, like, a little less embarrassing at forward, and I think that's something. So. Yeah. Uh, Florida Panthers. Woo! So many teams did so many things, man. Uh, they fired Dale Talon, who was, I think, in our opinion and in the opinion of a lot of people, the worst working general manager in the NHL. He was not good at what he did. Not at all. Uh, no. They replaced him with a former agent and Columbus assistant, Bill Zito. And Zito did a bunch of stuff. He signed Radko Gudis, three years at 2.5. He signed Alexander Wenberg, one year at 2.25. That's one of Arvin's... Yeah, I was about to say, I like that deal, but you, I'm very predictable. You called me. <laughs> yeah, it's in the notes. Arvin likes this guy. But uh, yeah, and I mean, I think that that's a, a potentially quite good deal. Uh, Carter Verhage, you might remember he was in the Leafs organization and we traded him for Michael Grabner. He's washed up uh, in Florida now, two years at one point, at one million flat. They he got played Vinny in Tampa, he... didn't he? He, was on, he did. He, he's, his name is on the cup, I'm pretty sure. He played enough in the past. I believe that it is yeah so good for him they had to learn to spell it and uh yeah okay, well, his uh, name is actually not that hard to spell i don't think no you know what it's it's people getting intimidated by the gh yeah kind of thing a-e-g-h like it just it looks weird but it's pretty close to phonetic you know yeah. verhage anyway uh Vinny hinestroza uh is one year one million that's a nice depth ad uh, they traded Cliff Boo for Marcus Nudevara. Good depth ad. I'm saying this a lot. They extended Mackenzie Wegar, who everyone in Toronto wanted for 10 days. Three years at 3.25 million. <laughs> yeah, I'm just remembering you, you wrote in a piece that we had, um, <laughs> I think it was your pessimist in the Optimist Pessimist article. Being like, being like, we had to pretend that everyone fucking cared about Mackenzie Wegar. No one knows who he is. He's not a real person. He lives in Florida no. where it's fake. Do, do you know what um, it comes, so I'm pretty sure, yeah. um, so Kevin Papetti, who actually does mm. watch a lot of hockey, yeah, was I think the among the first that I saw to talk about Uyghur, and then everyone just kind of was like, "Okay, I'm just going to trust this guy." Yeah, which is and smart. You know, Kevin's a smart guy. Kevin's a I, smart I'm, guy. Yeah, I'm completely convinced that Kevin was the ground zero of of the Mackenzie Uyghur rumors. You know what? That's quite plausible. We can't rule out that that was the case because. All of a sudden, everyone seemed to kind of fall for him. And let's be clear, no one has watched the Florida Panthers. Mm -hmm. Not by choice. So, yeah. Uh, and oh, they traded Colton Sevier and Michael Matheson to the Pittsburgh Penguins for Patrick Hornfest. That's a good trade for them because Michael Matheson's deal is gross. And yeah, that so was even a though, horrific contract. I mean, that was maybe the, the, the biggest, um, biggest talent fuck-up. I thought, yeah, I thought that was was really bad. Now, I, I talked to a few people who were like, I don't think, they didn't think it was as lopsided as I did on the basis of Hornfist is 33. He's still got three years at 5.9 or something. I don't know. I think Zito 
pick Jim Rutherford's pocket on that one. Yeah, Hornface is still useful. Yeah, whereas Matheson is not. I mean, that being said, it, it's Hornquist was also, you know, you you can say, um, he he went from playing shotgun to you know the Crosby slash Malkin show. I think he was normally on Crosby's line, but I'm not 100 percent sure of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a very different role to being on Florida, right? Like Crosby and Malkin, it, it's it's a different game almost. Right. And, you know, now that said, though, Florida's had a good power play at mm-hmm. points in the past. But it was, got the it was based on Mike Hoffman, who is no longer there. Yes, that's a good point. They've lost Mike Hoffman and Evgeny Dodonov, who were both big offensive contributors, not very good defensively, but whatever. And that's probably a step back for the whole forward score. Like, they, they'll score less. Um, now, they drafted Anton Lundell. 12th overall, kind of breaking our hearts because we wanted him, but that's how it goes. All things considered, though, did Florida actually get better this offseason? Seems Maybe. like more of the same. Yeah, like they're pretty close to the same team, so which is a bubble team. Yeah, and and that's, that's it. Uh, if Sergei Bobrovsky gets it together, that'll go a long way. If he doesn't, they're screwed, because that's a huge deal to pay for a guy who's bad. Yeah, um, and and the thing is, Florida is a bubble team when having two of the best contracts in the world, and Jonathan Huberto and uh, Sasha Barkov. Yeah, it's like yeah, you like they had an opportunity here to really capitalize. And by the way, I think even Aaron Ekblad's deal is like sneakily good now. Yeah, um, I, I but, think Ekblad is kind of been forgotten but he's yes. great and, and the problem is they've spent a lot of that money on um that they saved on sergey bobrovsky yes and, and yeah right when i said matheson was among the worst talent things i, I think i forgot about bobrovsky that's that's probably the worst <laughs> actually yeah thinking about it, it it's yeah. it's so damaging it's so hard to get out of it's it's a toxic you can do and it's you... it not only does it lock you in to bobrovsky but like I think there's a lot more hesitance to like basically just stop, just bench a goalie, than yeah. there is to bench, you know, say Milan Lucic or reduce his minutes or reduce his. Role. You can't reduce a goalie's role. There's two roles: goalie, starting goalie, and backup. Pretty much. That, that's and, it. And you know they have a very well thought of goalie prospect in Spencer Knight, and teams have been apparently asking around with Florida, saying, "Hey, do you want to trade this guy because you've committed to your starting goalie for a hundred years?" And they've said no. And that's fine. But it's like, when is Spencer Knight going to get to be the starter? In five years, maybe? I mean, I guess you can sit and be patient, but like, this is crazy. So, yeah. And, and you know, we've all heard about the, the financial structures in Florida. Apparently, they've been told to cut costs to some extent. Mm-hmm. You know, I, like, I think Bill Zito has done fine with what he had available, but like, he didn't have that much available. And the result is that the team is... About the same, except mine is one really bad contract, so that's good. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Anyway, whatever. Uh, the Los Angeles Kings, they extended Sean Walker. He's another Kevin Papetti pick. Yep. He was kind of eyeing him, but looks like he's staying in L.A. Four years at 2.65. They traded the second for Leas Anderson from New York, which is interesting. Anderson was a top 10 pick not that long ago. 
and it's all gone really badly for the Rangers. Mm -hmm. One of the Rangers going to catch a break. (laughs) Just can't something go right for them. Uh, They got Olimata, who he seems middling. Two years at 3.3 million. It's fine. By far the most significant thing that happened for them is they drafted Quinton Byfield second overall. Yep. And Byfield seems like he could be potentially a franchise center. And so if that happens, they'll be really happy. Yeah, could be the bridge after Anse Kopitar, right? And Kopitar's already lost some of it, but, um, you know, he'll be... Byfield, if everything goes well, will be the real successor to him. And that's something that a lot of uh, teams find it very hard to do, find the successor to their star players, right? Mm. Um, Anaheim, we talked about them off the top. They're struggling with that with Ryan Getzloff. Yes, yeah. And, and so, yeah, there's no one really coming up behind him, so that's too bad. Uh, this team is very, very bad, and that's mm-hmm. how it is, and, and that's okay. The only thing is is that, like, I think they missed the window on Drew Doughty. And maybe there was no window. He has a full no move. So he wasn't getting traded if he didn't want to, but that contract is now one of the worst in the NHL. Yeah, and I, well, I do, I do wonder if they can sell a team on. And eh, Doughty's just been out of it because we've been crappy these past few years. And yeah. you put him on a good team again, he's going to, you know, put all his effort into it again and become the Drew Doughty that, you know, I I was gonna say deservedly won a Norris because he deserved to win a Norris at some point in his career. I'm most likely, but like the yeah. Norris he won in particular was not that deserved. I don't think. Yeah, kind of famously, it was a Lifetime Achievement Award. But... Yeah, but he has been a very, very good player over a long period of time, even if he never truly deserved to win a Norris. Yeah, no, I mean, he'll make the Hall of Fame, and I think that that's commensurate Did he make the top, NHL Top 100, or no? I can't remember. They, uh... I would be surprised if he didn't. He's considered to be... Well, it's, it's the... also, I mean, that list was also very much a marketing thing. There was a reason that three Chicago Blackhawks were there. Yeah. Like, you're putting Jonathan Taves on the top 100 and not Evgeny Malkin? Yeah, that was silly. Or even Patrick Kane in the top 100, but not Evgeny Malkin? Like, they they wanted, you know, Taves and Kane are more marketable in North America than Malkin is. Yeah, and that was a factor. And, you know, Doughty probably got on there because he's the the big Canadian boy. Yeah. At any rate. I don't know for sure, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, that seems probable. Anyway, but, like, I think that contract is an albatross. Oh, it is. I mean, you know, seven years at 11 million. That's gross. If his play um, over the past few years is an indicator of what we can expect going forward. Yeah, it's it's, it's a massive issue. It's a massive issue. Yeah. Um, So that said, you know, beyond that, I think it's fine. Even the Kopitar deal, I don't like they they probably ought to look at getting out of it. But that's probably in the range where I think, okay, maybe we just bite the bullet. It's four years. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, at the tail end of it, he can still give us something, and it's an overpay, but it's okay. The Doughty He's one is like... He's still decent now, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Uh, Doughty has been bad and runs for seven years at a huge amount of money, and that should make him probably untradeable anyway, and the no-move makes it harder and everything, but, like, I- I've said this the last three survey pods we've done now. I would go to him and beg for him to waive it and said, we can send you somewhere, and then I would do whatever I could. In the COVID era, I have to admit, unloading 11 million on anybody is going to be really yeah, hard. It's, yeah, so, almost impossible now. So it, it, it's probably done and they just got to live with it. Beyond that, it's it's a rebuild. It's fine. They're going to be awful next year, whatever. Uh, the Minnesota Wild. Okay. 
Um, they signed Cam Talbot to three years at 3.67. He had a decent season as Calgary's backup. He's kind of old, though. I don't know if they think this is fixing their goaltending in the, the absence of Devin Dubnik. It'll probably be better because Dubnik was awful. But mm-hmm. uh, They extended Carson Soucy, who is not a fake person I made up, even though it sounds like it. Three years at 2.75. Sounds like he should um, either play in Boston or have done his college hockey in Boston. Oh, 100%. Like, I'm actually, you know what? I'm going to look that up because it feels like he's the most Boston person of all time. You know? Uh, you know what? NCAA, but it's Minnesota. So I guess he's actually their hometown boy. Interesting. Despite being Canadian, but whatever. Uh, anyway, so they did that. Uh, they extended Jonas Brodin, seven years of six million. We've talked about Brodin. He's a great defensive defenseman. Yes. Um, Funhouse that, mirror Morgan Riley. Yes. Yeah, no offense, though. And so it, it'll be interesting to see how that ages. Um, it, it takes him into his 30s for sure. And it doesn't start until next year. So mm-hmm. they're, they're committed to him. They've been shopping Matt Dumba left and right, apparently. It, nothing has really happened yet, but... Because Spurgeon, Ryan Suter, and Jonas Brodin all have no-move clauses, they probably will end up exposing Dumba in the expansion draft if nobody trades for him. So, something to keep an eye on. Uh, They signed Kirill Kaprizov finally to an ELC. So, I guess we're finally going to see what all the fuss is about. He's been kind of touted for a long time. Tore up the KHL last year. The year before, 62 points in 57 games. Uh, now he plays for CSKA Moscow, which is a really good team. It, it's going to be tough to project, but that could be a big ad. Like, you could hear more about Kaprizov next year for sure. Um, they traded Luke Kunin and a fourth to the Preds for Nick Benino's a second and a third. That was like a sneakily good trade for Minnesota, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Kunin is younger, but Benino is better, and they won the picks. Uh, Dubnik has gone to San Jose because San Jose wants to corner the market on awful goaltending. Uh, the Wild traded Eric Stahl, as we discussed. That wasn't great. They traded a seventh to Pittsburgh for Nick Bugstrad at 50% retention. Bugstad looked kind of ass in Pittsburgh, but he looked okay in Florida before that, and if they get any value out of him at one year in 2.05, that's fine. And they drafted Marco Rossi. Mm. What what does that all add up to for you? Same as usual. Same as usual, exactly. That's what I was thinking. I was like, well, I mean, this is a long said, list for a team that for a lot of same. teams, but it, it's hard to drastically overhaul your team in this cap environment. Yeah. And, you know, the reality is that the biggest ad was made by Vegas, who were already really, really good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll talk about the next episode. But a lot but of these teams kind of stagnated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is a, a season where everyone's just going to try and get by to some extent. For sure. Um, yeah. Like, I haven't seen a ton of moves that really alter the league hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Like, so, I know someone will rise up unexpectedly just because that's how hockey works. But, like, you look at the mushy middle and... It's a lot of teams that were, like, a bit of good in, a bit of good out, and maybe a couple of them got a little better, but they're all practically the same. Mm -hmm. And I include the Toronto Maple Leafs in that, I'm afraid. So, yeah, I mean, all things considered, 
the Minnesota Wild just they have the core problem of like what are they doing? Like they're a good XG team. They have good defense, but they never really they've been mediocre forever and they'll be mediocre again. Yeah. So, they they have yeah. some hope on the horizon with a potentially very high-end prospect in Rossi though. And that's yes. something they, they really have not had for a long long time. Uh, we we talked about the Eric Stahl deal from the Buffalo perspective and we liked it for Buffalo mm-hmm. and we didn't I didn't really like it for um Minnesota because No. Stahl seems to be both cheaper and better than Johansson. Johansson's another guy who I coveted uh at some point. Um but it, it's he just doesn't seem like he's that great anymore you know at this point you just kind of have to accept it mm-hmm. he just may not be what we thought he was and that's mm-hmm. that's how it goes whereas yeah. eric Stahl is still good now minnesota's basic problem is are we trying to be good now or are we going to retool so to speak and because of parise Suter, zuccarello spurgeon um and now Burdine. They are kind of committed to trying to be sort of good now. Mm-hmm. And that's not really going to work because they don't have enough great players. They have good defensemen. But, you know, this team's top line is, like, not adequate. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I guess that wraps up our survey of the first half of the NHL. Awesome. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, thank you all for listening. We'll come at you with the second one soon enough. Uh you can catch all of my new Fulham and stuff at pensionpanpuppets.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at RVNATFulham. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you soon.